Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 257 of Dogcast Radio, which has its online home at dogcastradio.com where you're welcome to drop in any time. The virtual front door is always open and there's always a wagging welcome waiting. I suppose the theme of today's show is interdependence. Humans helping dogs and dogs helping humans. The circle of dog-human life in which we're all intertwined, if you like. Later, we'll be hearing from a fantastic assistance dog charity. Rad Assistance Dogs is there for people who suffer from MHDI, which is mental health disability impairment. And that's how it's termed under law. Uh, And we train them to train their own assistance dogs. Right now, I'm talking to Dr. Renee Alsaraf about her book, Sit, Stay, Heal. She completed a medical oncology residency in New York City at the Animal Medical Center. She's created chemotherapy and radiation services for animals in Kansas City and in New Jersey. She's an active proponent of the human-animal bond, as you'll hear. Having fought cancer on her patient's behalf for so long, Renee suddenly found herself in a much more personal fight. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm fine. It's so nice to be here, Julie. Thank you so much. Lovely to have you. I'm I'm so glad you're here. We're going to talk about so much. It's going to be wonderful. But let's let's sort of go back. We, We won't start now. We'll start a little bit back. So for two decades... You've isn't it wonderful when people give your age away like that, isn't it? For two decades, you've been. <laughs> I, the, I, the, the scary thing is, it's actually been closer to three decades. Oh. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel your pain. Well, no, I celebrate the wonderfulness of it. I don't feel your pain. There we go. Um, exactly. But for two decades, you worked and are working treating cancer in animals, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It. It can be, you know, people think, how can you do that? It must be a very hard job. And on some level, it is because it's emotionally draining. But on another level, it is the most wonderful job. I get to meet these families in their most vulnerable state where they just want to care for their four-legged family member. Um, Hopefully, I get to help that pet have another Christmas or summer or few years, um, and that family is so grateful. It's it's really a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was telling you this beforehand that I can speak about this personally because Buddy had cancer, um, mast cell tumors, and as you say, when when you meet the professional, when you meet, we were um, referred to as a specialist vet. When you meet that person, you're pinning so much hope on them. You know that this is this is a family member, and you want them to to help you with. So it's it's a it is. I've written down. You know, I imagine it's tough but rewarding. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but and 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 the good thing is, we can fight it, can't we? There's more treatments coming along, and we can fight cancer all the time. And that's I think is one of the reasons that. Um, I really like oncology. It's not just that we have one textbook and we read and learn everything from that. It is an ever-changing medical field and there are always new things in the horizon. Um, You know, I've enjoyed sometimes doing clinical trials as a way to better veterinary medicine and sometimes even human medicine. Yeah. And I'm sorry about, about your Labrador. Thank you. Thank you. It was, it was a horrible experience. He was nine. He was nearly 10. And I can remember at that point bringing him home and sort of having a final conversation with him 
and sort of sitting him down and sitting on the bed with him and saying, we've done this and we've done that and remembering things and kind of saying goodbye almost. And he, he was only nearly 10 then. And he went to be 15 and a half. And, right. and it wasn't the cancer that took him. So it really taught me a lot. And, and one of the things I, I really, I remember that instinctively, I just went, right, I'm not going to look online. I'm not going to mm-hmm. read everything about this. I'm not going to. And then he had, um, he had a tumor on his adrenal gland as well. And with that, yes. it was a very different situation from how it normally is with that. And I just remember thinking, I'm not going to read everything online. I'm not going to scare right. myself silly or give myself false hope. I'm going to talk to the yeah. professional, talk to the vet, talk to the expert. I'm going to listen to them and I'm going to do yes. everything they tell me to do to the letter, you know, to absolutely. Yes. And, yes. and I'm just going to get through on our situation. And as I say, yeah. he had another five years. So yes, that is just wonderful. Mm. That is wonderful. Oh, I'm so glad. But yes. So let's, let's talk about some more dogs that are wonderful as well. So let's talk about Cosmo. Tell me about okay. Cos- Cosmo the Golden Retriever. Cosmo the Golden Retriever was already a very aged golden retriever when he came to me. Hmm. And he had more past medical problems than we probably even have fingers to count on. (laughs) He had arthritis and knee surgery and thyroid disease. He himself had had a mast cell tumor before and a couple of other um, cancerous tumors that had been removed that he beat and survived. Um, He had some laryngeal paralysis. They had to feed him, you know, with an elevated bowl. Um, but he had a great zest for life and his pet parents loved him more than anything. Um, that dog had more experiences probably than a lot of us people. Um, and he came to me at the time when they, when both of his pet parents were, I would say very saddened and disappointed at the news that they were receiving. Mm. Uh, Many people had said, gosh, there's not much we can do. Um, He was wheeled in, in his red flyer wagon because he had lost the ability to walk. Um, He had a tumor that was eating through part of his uh, bone in one of his hind legs, his, and um, you know, I, I do believe that, the job of a good veterinarian is to teach that pet parent, everything that we know about that disease, right? Who would afflicts, how it typically presents, um, how it progresses, you know, the tests that are needed to know where it goes, and then the different options on how to treat and what those different options would give us both with side effects and prognosis. Mm. Um, And then from there, I believe that it is the, pet parents job to make that decision, right? So that because I don't necessarily know their family life, their finances, their ability to drive to and from their, their kind of uh, bandwidth for supportive care, should their dog need supportive care. Um, I'm always happy to help them in that diagnosis or in that decision, but that decision ultimately has to come from them. I also fully believe that as hard as it can be, we should try to make that decision with the least amount of regrets as possible, right? Yes. So that we're going into it fully understanding and understanding why we're making the decision to treat or not to treat. And if to treat, why we're choosing the the certain protocol, you know, it was a lot of discussion uh, with, um, Cosmos family 
the, and I apologize, I hesitated because legally I had to change their names. And so I always want to make sure that I don't mess up. It wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) Um, And for any of you who know the Jetsons cartoon, I named him Cosmo because there's another opposite name that was actually his name in real life. Um, But they decided to treat and they decided to treat because they knew what was going to happen if they didn't treat, Mm -hmm. right? They had an 85 pound Labrador who literally could not walk. Um, So they decided to, to try and treat. We knew that with treatment, there was the chance that he would improve enough to be able to walk and have a good quality of life, but there was the chance that he might not. Um, And the family was willing to take that risk. Thankfully, they had the means where they wouldn't have regretted losing that money had it not worked. Not only, though, did Cosmo um, then be able, I think within about 10 days or so, he was actually able to rise on his own instead of his family helping him up, you know, putting a sling underneath his midsection and walking him around. Um, He was able to walk. And they took him, they always had a yearly trek up to Maine to Acadia National Park. And he was able to run ahead of them, be on the trails and go in the water when no human that was, you know, from a non-Mainer would go in because it's so cold. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, every day, once you've had a dog and lost a dog, you, you realize every day is precious. But yes. particularly as the dog is getting older and you realise the days are numbered, it gets so precious. And I bet that was so wonderful for them to have that back. Wow. Correct. And they cherished every day even more. And they cherished, you know, they had been going on that vacation for over a decade, but the they were actually able to go to two more years of this vacation. Wow. Um, and I know it meant the world to them. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, but I love your attitude. That's wonderful that you, that's what I want from my vet. You know, I want the, all the information, Yep. you know, and then, then occasionally I will say, what, well, what would you do if it was your dog? But I mm-hmm. just want all the information. And then, then I want to make the decision with, with guidance and with help yes. and support, you know, but I, I just want to be given lots of information and, and, and told everything. And then, you know, and yes. look at the odds and, and choose the best path. And it's, it's an individual thing, isn't it? And as you say, the biggest thing is, to look back and think, I did my best. Exactly. Correct. And, you know, medicine isn't an exact science. So beans don't, and our cells don't exactly always play by the rule book. But if we know what we're getting into and we know the odds, we can make the best decision for our dog and our families. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Another difficult decision then um, came with Daisy the Cocker Spaniel. And that was really complicated, wasn't it? Tell me about her. Oh my goodness. So Daisy was a darling Cocker Spaniel dressed just like Elsa from Frozen. And it was interesting because just as Elsa was able to manipulate situations or snow and ice. Um, Daisy too was able to manipulate and help that family, specifically their, their daughter have a much better life. She, uh, I want to say was, but is a special needs uh, girl, although she's probably in her mid to late teens. Now Um, she was unable to speak 
Uh, she could do some lang- some sign language. She was unable to really use her arms and hands short of some sign language. So she, you know, obviously couldn't feed herself. She couldn't dress herself um, for how her body is or was. Um, she couldn't swallow. So she had to be fed with a feeding tube through her stomach. Wow. She was very, very dependent on the family. Mm. Um, and she was also very dependent on Daisy because Daisy was not only her steadfast companion, but Daisy actually became a seizure alert therapy dog. Unfortunately, the girl had seizures, epilepsy. Um, Daisy had no formal training whatsoever. And she was able to alert the family when the girl was having sort of a pre-ictal phase before the the seizure came on um, so that the her parents could, you know, be there, help um, to take care of things. Yeah. Uh, it was really beautiful. Um, and I saw when I first met uh, Daisy's mom, if you will, her struggle. Here she has this nine-year-old girl and she has a dog that has a terminal diagnosis. Um, it's hard enough for any of us to talk to our children about that, but even more so with a special needs daughter who's relying on on this dog. Mm. And that's really tough as well, because you have to deal with your own emotions, your own worry and potential grief for the dog. But also then you have to try and support the child as well. And that it's really, really difficult. It is so much harder. And hopefully when people read the book, it will help them to navigate that, you know, different signs to look for how to make that decision, but also, you know, in talking to your son or your daughter about that. Um, I know for years, it was just myself or myself and my husband, and it was very hard to lose one of, you know, my pets because I love them so very much. They were my sunshine. Um, but then when it came to to trying to console my son during this, here I'm feeling terribly, and now my son is going through it. But as his mom, I don't want him to feel badly, and yet I want him to feel his feelings because it's the appropriate thing and it's the healthy thing. Yeah. Um, the other part that I think is very hard is we all have a different time as to when we feel ready yeah. to accept another pet into our lives. Absolutely. And yeah, right. And I know some people who need to go out the very next week. And that's right? fine. And that's, their, and that's what they need. Yep. Absolutely. Exactly. Right. That's not me. I'm going to mourn this for months. Yeah. Um, but I remember thinking, whether I'm ready or not, it's going to have to be on the timeline of my son, Peter, because it was more important. I I needed to be a mom first to him rather than maybe attend to all of my emotional needs about whether I'm ready or not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that as well, because it is. And I like to say this because I'd comforted people and sort of, you know, said, oh, no, look, you have a right, absolute right to your feelings and said all that. And then when grief hit me, it was so much of a tsunami that it's sort of like you, you, I, I did feel myself thinking, do I have the right to feel this much, you know, oh. for, for a, for a dog, for a cat, when there's human suffering in the world? I right. don't, I don't think like that, but in that moment, right. grief just but- knocked me off my feet, my feet. And I did what, you know, do I have the right to feel like this? 
Correct. And I'm so glad you brought that up. I think as society progresses, people are realizing that, yes, we all do and we all should and we should all be supported. But I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me and they say, oh, my husband thinks I'm crazy for whatever, for treating the dog or for still being sad. And it's been, you know, a few days or my coworkers don't understand. Um, and I'm hoping that that even in reading the book that, you know, all of us animal lovers had, get that validation that we need. We're not the one-off strange. No. This is true unconditional love that our pets have for us and that we have for them. And, and it's, it's, we can't just replace them, right? How many times have someone said, Oh, you can just get another dog. Um, Oh my goodness. Right. There's nothing that's going to replace Daisy because she's her own, her own dog. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, so what, so what happened with Daisy then? So she beat the odds. She had heaven smiling on her. Um, She did great for over three years and was, yeah, over 14 years old, which is amazing for any dog, you know, especially a sort of overweight, you know, Cocker Spaniel with a lot of warts. (laughs) She did great. and. Bless. wearing princess dresses yeah oh bless her that's wonderful yeah it, yes. i mean it is it's it's so difficult because i always thought before i lost buddy that i thought right i will make the decision based on the dog's needs i will yes. not make the decision on my needs if i'm clearing up pee and poo and whatever as long as the dog is happy i will carry on doing that and then you realize that in a real life situation you can't kind of go well there's my needs there's the dog's needs and I know everything is untangled you know it's all mixed up and tangled together and you can't really separate it and am I doing this for me or for him or you know oh my goodness it's a it's a jungle isn't it it really is and what I try to tell people is is because sometimes they even feel guilty for doing the chemotherapy because they can't speak and ask their their dog so I say as long as you have to look at what your intentions are, yeah. right? Is it, you're just keeping them alive for you, you know, not so great, but if you're keeping them alive because they have a good quality of life, because they enjoy being with you or chasing a squirrel or doing what they normally love to do, then that is a very altruistic um, endeavor or reason um, to help them, yeah. to give them that life. And that's, that's a wonderful reason. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's, 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 um, I hadn't anticipated how complicated it would be. And that's, again, when you need a great vet standing beside you, pulling all apart for you going, look, this this is the logic. This is what we're looking at. <laughs> it is difficult. So, I mean, another dog that sounds wonderful. Um, I don't think I could live with one, but it's, I, I do like the look. A bloodhound, Franny the bloodhound. So, yes. Um, so tell me about her. Oh, my goodness. Franny ambled in. Well, at the time, I really shouldn't say ambled. She was only goodness. I don't even know. She was very thin because she had lost a lot of weight from her original tumor. She had a mast cell tumor in her stomach that had been removed, but, you know, hadn't eaten much and had 
vomiting. And the officer uh, came to see me because she was a working dog. Um, And it was a very, very difficult decision for Officer Nelson to make about his partner, Um, in part because she still had to be a working dog. And would she be able to smell? She did, or they together did search and rescue. And, you know, it couldn't slow her down in the field, tracking down someone. Um, Chemotherapy has been known to affect people's sense of taste and smell. Would it affect hers? We can't test for that in dogs. I had never had a dog that had any issue with that, but how do we really know? Or does she have enough olfactory receptors to smell out whatever she needs to smell, you know, a bad person or a lost child that has run away. But at once he made the decision, they were all in and Franny, oh my gosh, I don't even know. It might be a total of six years now is still alive and doing well and as fat as can be (laughs) and has the longest, you know, ropey drools that you've ever seen. Um, She's a great dog. She really is. Oh, lovely. That's, I mean, that's the wonderful side of it that you can give some people years more with their dog, can't you? Correct. Exactly. Yes. Um, And she's now retired and loving life and uh, just gets lots of treats. Um, (laughs) It's a good thing for her. Yeah. 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 And of course, I know you're a proponent of the the human animal bond and -hmm. you've seen that through your work and you've experienced it yourself, haven't you? So you really know that. Yes. Um, For fear of sounding like a broken record, I really hope that what the reader sees is basically gets a front row seat to the human animal bond in its deepest forms, right? They see the struggles that the pet parents face and not just in whether or not they should treat, right? Because all of these stories of each pet or each dog has a lesson, either what that family member or family learned or what I learned from that dog. But the incredible bond of the human animal bond that is limitless and is so non-judgmental and unconditional and fills us up and makes our lives so much better. Um, I am blessed to be able to see that every day uh, between man and and women and and their pets yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's it's something i i write and, and talk about dogs all, all day long and i never get to point of going oh dogs meh oh not yeah. more dogs you know it's just yeah they're yes. amazing just yes. always amazing yeah. so you worked with you know fighting cancer and you helping yes. people and their pets and 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 that's your job then mm-hmm. and i mean this it, it it's a sort of a cliche, but you know, this time it's personal. That phrase from the movies, you know, and then suddenly, oh my goodness, you're diagnosed with cancer. Yes. Wow. So that must have been really scary and shocking and awful. It felt like a big punch right to my stomach. It yeah. felt like for someone who can talk forever and write a book and do all these things, it was just a jumbled mess of words in my head. I, I didn't even know what to say. It was, it was not great. Um, 
And it didn't feel fair. Not that life is ever fair. Not that anyone getting, as I say, the C word is fair, but here I've given my life and and loved every minute of it. But, you know, being a veterinarian is not just a job. It's, it's even for me, it's more than just a profession. It's, it's how I identify or who I identify myself with. And it just, I, I wanted and I do just give the middle finger to the air because yeah. it was, it was horrible. And I thought I could die. Yeah. Um, so I know. And that's, that's really, cause you, you, you really, but I'm not done living yet. I've got the things I want to do. <laughs> exactly. Correct. I yeah. felt too young. I felt, you know, that, yeah. The yeah. irony of it too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would have, I would have taken it really personally and kind of, although it makes it, it's not logical. I thought, you know, I've come for you that many times. You're coming for me now to take me out so yes. that you can run, run roughshod over, you know, the dogs. It's horrible. C- correct. And, and I felt like my body had betrayed me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like what the heck you're letting this grow in me. You're, these are cells that should not be doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, it's quite strange, but when you have something go wrong with your body, I always sort of separate. I kind of see me and then my body. And as you say, this this pesky body, this naughty body that's doing this. And I don't want right. it to be. And I suddenly there's a, a real divide between the, the mental and the physical, isn't there? Yes, it really, really is. In fact, when I received the diagnosis and then there were a few days before I was meeting with the surgeon, I remember thinking, all I want is I just want it out because it felt like a monster. Yeah. It wasn't me. It was, I wasn't going to own it but it felt like a monster inside. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can um, imagine a little bit of that, you know, that just thinking, right, cut it out, just take it away, you know, and I'll get on and yeah, <laughs> go take it away. I'm not, I'm not nourishing it. I'm not, you know. Right. Yeah. Yep. Awful, awful. So at what stage then, as if that's, so all that's going on in the mm-hmm. background, are you happy to say what, what kind of cancer? Sure. Yes. So um, it was in my uterus. It was endometrial carcinoma. Mm. So uh, carcinoma in the lining or the wall of the uterus. Um, Cancer is divided up into three categories, Mm. whether you're a person or an animal, Uh, carcinomas, sarcomas, and then round cell tumors. Um, It's sort of like saying you drive whatever kind of car company it is. And then there's many different types of cars underneath that. Um, Unfortunately, at the time of surgery, they found a three millimeter nodule um, in my, in my pelvic region or abdomen, right? My belly. Um, Thankfully I had a fantastic surgeon. He removed it. Um, But because of that little three millimeter nodule, I then needed to have 25 treatments of radiation and a whole bunch of chemo. Had I not had that, I would have had surgery and been done. Yeah. But I am extremely grateful and thankful that he found it because had he missed it, it would have been a whole different situation. Yeah. Yeah. So much, I think. And it's, you know, it's a postcode lottery, that phrase. That you know, d- depending on where you live or who you, which doctor you see, depends on what happens to you or which vet. And I was so thankful. I didn't know at the time, but I was so thankful with Buddy that the vet sort of said, rather than just going, "It's just a fatty lump, it's fine," she mm-hmm. said, "I think it's just a fatty lump, but we'll aspirate." 
Yes. And she saved his life. Just checking. Yes. And so much comes down to the, the ability and the, I, I suppose, the risk averseness or not of the, of the professional that you're seeing, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you know, we all need to be our own advocates. Yes. As parents, we're our advocates for our children. As a veterinarian, I feel I am the advocate for the pet. But we need to be the advocates for our own health care and for our pet's care. And it's okay to ask the question over and over again or to be the squeaky wheel, right? Your yeah, intentions yeah. are good. You're trying just to make sure that you understand and that you've left no stone unturned. Thank goodness you had that aspirated. Thank goodness yes. your veterinarian suggested it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and I, I read a book uh, a bit later that sort of said, if a, the most dangerous phrase is, we'll just wait and see. Oh, you yes. know, and so I was so, so glad about that. And I always say to people, get just get it checked. Just, you know, if you possibly mm-hmm. can, just check and, and just see. And hopefully it will put your mind at rest. But if it doesn't, you know, then you're into a different fight. Exactly. And early detection is always the best, Yes, right? We yeah. know with that mast cell tumor, it could have been a whole different situation had it been allowed to stay there and spread. Yes, yes. So that was our attitude of like, no, cut it out, take it. And they got clear margins and it was gone. Right. You know? Yes, yes. go. <laughs> so you're you're locked in a, in a fight for your life. And, yeah. and, sort of, and, and, and um, I imagine the treatment really made you feel quite weak mentally and physically. Yes, I um, am someone like I always just say feel sorry for my husband because I will fight just on theory alone. I'm not I'm not going down with the ship. I'm going to fight it out. But and so I I approached it with that because I figure I had to give it all that I got. Um, I convinced myself that I could will away my side effects, my superpower, you know. Yeah. Um, But I think that just helped give me the right attitude. I relied on the strength of friends and family. I just think our girlfriends as, as women are such backbones for us, our lives. Um, They are just invaluable. And so they, they really helped get me through it all. Good. Um, Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. But then, so you've got this big, big fight and then your dog, Newton. Yeah. Is diagnosed. I mean, that's really kicking right. a girl when she's down. That's <laughs> exactly. Wow. I I couldn't believe it. I really thought, you know, what angel did I kick at, at some point? Um, yeah. And that that was really hard. Um, you know, it was our dog that was my nursemaid that sat, you know, or laid beside me when I was not feeling well and was just laying on the sofa after chemotherapy. And now my own dog was going to have to go through it. Mm. Um, It was my honor to be there and to be strong for Newton, but it was also very hard as well. You know, there's only so much one can take. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you just want to switch it off just 24 hours or an hour, you know, switch it all (laughs) off and stop it. I'll I'll be just just normal. Normal is so underrated, but I'll just be normal for an hour. And then we'll turn it all back on and off we go again, you know. But uh, so so tell me a little bit about Newton. What what, um, breed or mix is Newton? Oh, so he uh, was a boxer. I am a big boxer lover. Anything with a smush face and drool. <laughs> and I don't know, you know, they say that you look, you end up looking like your, your dog. So I think I'm in trouble with all the wrinkles. <laughs> well, I did. I couldn't tell you. So I couldn't tell it was a boxer. So I didn't know. So not yet. Not yet. <laughs> um, 
And oh. I found it incidentally. Yeah. I was actually laying on the sofa and I reached down to pet him. And that's when I felt an enlarged lymph node. And I thought, I, I, I couldn't, this is wrong. I, I, I can't be right. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm only seeing this through oncology glasses. It must be something else, but of course oh. I knew it wasn't anything else. Yeah. Wow. That's, I, I just can't imagine. Cause I was thinking when I was thinking with a, with a diagnosis, there's a physical part of it and there's a mental part of it. So the physical part is what you're actually going through. And then the mental part, which in my experience can be, worse at times than the actual physical i've had things and worried and you know there's the what ifs well if this and what if this and what about the medication what if this happens and i've driven myself mad about things that didn't actually ever happen but i've still done it and i'll do it again i know and that's you've got two fights going on almost haven't you Correct. And that's one of the lessons from dogs. They don't fret about the what ifs. They come into the veterinary clinic, uh, unless they're fearful of it, but say like the oncology patients who know what, what is in store for them, wagging their tails, waiting for their little biscuit or treat. Um, they don't think, oh my goodness, I hope my white blood cell count is good today. Oh my goodness. I hope she gets the catheter in with the first stick. They don't think any of those things. And those are the things that weigh us down and make the time that we're supposed to be living harder and, and, and not as good as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. So there was you and Newton together going through this, um, what happened with Newton? He, on on one level in the beginning, he took it in stride, left us all in his dust. He went into a remission with the snap of a finger. You would have had no idea mm. that he had cancer or that he was even being treated with chemotherapy. Unfortunately, just like the the shoemaker's children, right? Don't Mm -hmm. have shoes. Um, He quickly came out of remission. Um, And while I treated him with numerous other protocols, um, or had my team treat him with numerous other protocols, he did not make the odds. Um, Yeah. So that's horrible. That's that's awful after you've helped so many people. Yes. Right. And my vision was, you know, you want to go through through things with your dog. You want to go to the park or on a walk or sit on the sofa and watch television in the evening. You want to do all those things with your companion. I never dreamed of going through chemotherapy with my dog. Um, but I did have the hope that we would both make it out at the end. Mm. And so in addition to the feelings of, of, sadness and loss for myself, losing my dog, and then um, consoling my son. Um, There was, there were also the feelings that I was making it, or I made it, knock on wood. um, And my dog didn't. Yeah. And I don't know if it was guilt, or I guess it's called sometimes survivor's guilt. Yeah. Right. Um. But that was that was something that I that I wrestled with yeah. because I was still here and, and despite our best efforts, he was not. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's I I think in a not in a fluffy way, but in a very real, sensible way, 
our dogs and our pets, our cats and everything, your rabbits and every pet taps into that pet place of parenthood. Because you do all the things that you do for a child, you know, you well, you love them and you educate them and you feed them and you care for their, their uh, medical needs and all those roles that you do with, with children. And it taps into that place. And so I think when you lose them, everything in you is screaming out to, to help them, to fight any fight they need for it. And, and when you lose that ultimate, that last fight, oh my goodness, that is, that's brutal. It, it really is. It really is. If I could, if I could add some levity. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, much needed. Right. Lord knows I like, I made it through the teen years with my son, but um, they are like our children, except they don't ever talk back and <laughs> sass us. <laughs> yes. Yes. And they accept everything that we say as. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But it, it is, it is hard. Um but for as hard as it is at the end, and I've, I've had people say to me, you know, oh my goodness, I can't go through that pain anymore. I'm not going to get another dog. And, and thankfully most people work through those, mm. those feelings of grief um, and, and, and change their mind. I truly, truly believe that each dog is put into our life or our lives for a reason, um, for a lesson to make our life better. And even though we would want them to have a much longer lifespan, perhaps we are fortunate in that we've had a few or many dogs in our lifetime that we've gotten to experience and to love and to be fully loved right back in return. Yeah, absolutely. I, and they, they all take you on a different adventure. And it's not always the adventure you signed up for or that you wanted, but I think the trick is that you're brave enough to go on that adventure with them. You know, that's if you can do that. <laughs> Correct. And and sometimes we don't realize it's that's the adventure we needed. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um <sighs> and you have um as we've said, not that you replaced Newton at all, and but you have canine company now, don't you? You have a boxer. I do, another boxer, a female. And she came to us um, during COVID times. She came to us at, uh, she was four and a half years of age. Um, and she had recently just uh, been spayed. She had um, a C-section. She had a difficult, um, she had puppies hmm. and she had a very difficult time with that. Um, it's sometimes harder for an older dog to be adopted. In addition, and, and this is, a vet, as a veterinarian, I never knew this. I found that out later that in shelters, a lot of times the um, breeding females that have the very low slung teats or nipples, right? Mm -hmm. Because they had, you know, been had milk. They're the ones that won't be adopted because of how they look. Oh. And she had just had puppies, oh my goodness, probably four months prior, maybe five months prior to our adoption. And she had those. And I was proud to, to put my arm around her and to say, you know, girlfriend, you are coming home with me. We've had the same surgery. Um, you know, thankfully we don't look the same, but, <laughs> um, you know, but like, I get you. And, yes. and yes. it was very, it was Aww. really, really special. Aww. Do you know, I think... I think a lot that he, I'm, I'm just thinking fancy being rejected for droopy boobs, you know, basically, because <laughs> but I think a lot of the time that we, we get so breedist, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we know that racism is wrong, but we're quite happy yes. to be breedist 
and go, this, yes. this breed does this and this breed does that and this breed is bad and this breed is good. And there's lots of things that apply. And, and I think, you know, you wouldn't dare, <laughs> you know, yes. people wouldn't dare sort of say, oh, no, droopy boobs about a woman, but for a dog. Oh, my goodness. And you just think, let's please, let's extend that that kindness Correct. Correct. And often in that breedism, if you will, right, it's really not that dog. It's how they were raised. And some dogs, right, have a more powerful body. Maybe they have a more aggressive stance or what have you. Um, But they weren't born inherently bad. They perhaps survived conditions or were trained to be that way. Yeah, yeah. So much is learned, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And and you can, you know, <laughs> any breed you can make defensive or, you know, exactly. a lot of these defensive, it's not just innate nastiness and aggression, is it? It's just, I'm frightened, so I'm going to defend Correct. myself. You know, it's... Correct. Yeah. And, and some breeds, it's easier to get them to unfortunately be that way. And that's yeah. maybe why they're chosen. Um, yeah. But they're all good. Yes. Yeah. In and of Absolutely. themselves. Absolutely. You're, you're in remission now, aren't you? So long yes, may I'm, thank goodness. touch wood. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> long may that continue. Um, so, so what are your plans now? What, what are your hopes for the future? Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's a, uh, a long ranging question. I think I only have a short range answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and my hope is that the book Sit, Stay, Heal helps people. Um, Someone recently in the publishing industry read it and she said, and she's a five-year-old Westie. And she said, you know, after I've read it, I felt like I became a better dog parent. I felt, yeah, I felt that I um, became a better person and I felt happier for reading it. Wow. And so even though the premise or the background of the C word is there. Um, that's not the intent. It's it's so much more of a takeaway um, than that. And so I think that's really what I truly hope is that this helps people either in just superficially their struggle with the C word or a caretaker for someone who has that or or anything that we that we deal with that that takes a lot of a lot out of us and a lot of strength to muster. Um, but also to validate the human animal bond and to see that we are better together, um, right? Dogs are, are pack animals yeah. and so are we, right? Dogs survived in the wild as a pack and our lives are certainly better for having dogs in them. They've evolved specifically for that purpose and hopefully people will see that we as people are better as a pact and coming together. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, yeah. If I could add just one last yes, of one last little lesson that I thought about too. Um, I think for me, the biggest lesson um, is that dogs are, they never judge us no yeah. matter what, right? Um, they don't assume anything about us. They love us unconditionally, but they don't judge. And if we as people can take that life lesson and, and and well past the, oh, just me not not judging someone as I see them walk by and I think they're wearing a funny hat or something, but to not judge myself because 
you can have all of these voices in your head saying, oh, you big dummy. Why did you just do that? Or why did you say that? Or why didn't you say this? Um, but we shouldn't do that to yeah. ourselves. Yeah. You know, our dogs don't, and they, they are modeling loving behavior to us. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely, absolutely agree with that because my daughter and I will say, you know, we talk to ourselves in a way mm. we wouldn't dream of talking to anybody else. It's so harsh, so unforgiving. You just would not do it to anybody else. Yes. Yeah. 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 And yeah, be Very. more dog, definitely. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we, we've covered a lot there. So I'm going to assume that like, well, is there anything else that you'd like to say? Or, or that's, I mean, I oh think you've said it beautifully, but... <laughs> Thank you so much. I don't think so, no. but truly, Julie, thank you so much. I love your show. Um, I There was one and it was, you know, you think you're going to really gravitate or I think I'm going to always really gravitate based on the title or something like that. And I was so surprised um, in such a good way. You had a person on about making dog biscuits, right? And you think, yes. oh, it's just great. It's, it's a cute one. And, you know, I love cooking. Um, but they were talking about how it's it's also the act of of cooking for your dog and it's the love and then they smell the biscuits as you're making them and get excited and it's such a wonderful experience and it changed the way that i look at it Aww. um so i just want to thank you for all that you do <laughs> truly you. truly Oh, well, thank you very much. I, I enjoy every minute. Well, usually I enjoy most minutes of it. So thank you very much. Thank you. I certainly enjoyed this evening. Um, so where can people find out more about you online? Okay. So um, the book has a website, www.sitstayhealbook.com that uh, will you know tell you all about the book, my bio. Um, I have many events that are coming up. Um, ways to purchase the book if someone is so inclined. Uh, that's probably a very easy way. Another way would be through the HarperCollins website, which is my publisher. Great. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story with us. And thank you. Telling us all the dog stories and, and, and um, talking about your dogs and, and the best of, of luck for the future. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. I'm so glad Renee is in remission and that she has a dog by her side as she faces the future. Thanks to Renee for sharing her story and experiences. And if you want to find out more about her or buy the book, we have the link she mentioned on dogcastradio.com. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. The ASPCA advice on dressing your dog up for Halloween is only to do so if they like it and to ensure their costume does not impede movement, sight, hearing or breathing. RAD Assistance Dogs is there for people who suffer from mental health disability impairment. RAD trains those people to train their own dog as their assistance dog. The dogs mitigate a range of symptoms from various conditions, making life and everyday tasks which many of us take for granted, comfortable and sometimes even possible. I'm talking today to Mary Rose Terry and Heather Adlam. Hi both. Hello. Hi. Now you're from a wonderful charity. I heard about this charity through Dave Chawner, who I interviewed about his his love of dogs and his his, his comedy show all about his love of dogs, which uh, he's just finished, I presume, at the, uh, the Edinburgh Festival. 
So he's doing a good job for you, getting your name out there. So tell me about, yes, excellent. So tell me about Rad Assistance Dogs. What does the charity do? Okay, so uh, Rad Assistance Dogs is there for people who suffer from MHDI, which is mental health disability impairment. And that's how it's termed under law. Yeah. Uh, And we train them to train their own assistance dogs. Excellent. Excellent. So the assistance dogs help them to mitigate their symptoms. Uh, I'm sure Heather will tell you in a minute some actual symptoms that she has and what the dog does for her. But for example, an anxiety attack, the dog detects the the change of breathing in in their handler, in their owner. So they will start to either touch them or tap them. Uh, In extreme cases, they would lay on them and do deep pressure therapy on their chest to bring their breathing down. Yeah, amazing. They can get over the anxiety attack. I I mean, that's just one little thing. And and Heather Heather has got a whole gambit of... of techniques that she uses with Rosie. So she'll be able to tell you far more in detail of of what uh, the dog actually does for her. But that's basically what we do. The other side of what I do mainly um, is I'm chair of the trustees and I take on, uh, as an advocate for our members, uh, discrimination. Yes. Oh, excellent. And you you set them straight. It's yeah. such an important thing to do, isn't it? That's that's yes. vital. Yeah, I use the Equality Act uh, yeah. 2010, and I'm also getting quite good friends with the uh, Equality and Human Rights Commission, and uh, and we talk often. So on an average week, I have between four or five different complaints from wow. members about discrimination. Uh, that it ranges from access, uh, and that's most of our problem because, um, as Heather will tell you. We have dogs from Chihuahuas right through to Great Danes. Yeah. So they're not Labradors. They're not guide dogs. They're not what people expect or suspect to be uh, an assistance dog. So they're questionable. Our members do have badges or that they have um, access to badges and dog vests, etc., which proclaim to the world this is an assistance dog. But because it's the invisible illness and in, in that it's a mental health condition, um, it does raise... Uh, lots of discrimination unfortunately yeah in our society it's it's dreadful heather i can't wait to come to you and i'm going to come to you really really soon but (laughs) she's far more interesting (laughs) i just want to talk about this because there's there's a couple of issues with this aren't there the the first issue is that our assistance dogs and it's not just guide dogs we were talking about this just before it's assistance dogs they have a legal right of access full stop you know that's it yeah, um, to, it's to any non non pet friendly area yeah. in public or in private too. Yeah, so businesses uh, yeah. So they have a right to go in there too, yeah. and landlords. Uh, yeah. yeah, and obviously that's because they meet standards of behaviour and hygiene and health, and there's all kinds of conditions on that that I, I i know they they meet a wonderful standard and that's part of the that you are a charity and you are you know you're a proper authority to train and 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 put that in place that's great but for when you have a mental health issue and you're just trying to go about your daily business and somebody is giving you grief about having the dog with you that must be so difficult to deal with it is. It is for our members. And that's why I encourage all of them to just come directly to me. In fact, I think I stuck up for Heather, didn't I, a few weeks ago? Yeah. Um, and 
and I would do it immediately because it, it needs to be hot off the press. Um, and, and I write letters. Uh, I explain there's, there's a good line I always use in the letters to everybody, which normally gets an apology immediately. Yeah. And, and I always put on there, you know, this, this case could be taken up by the Equality and Human Rights Commission. And just to let you know, there is an unlimited on compensation. Limited. Wow. Normally I get an apology really quickly. (laughs) I bet. I like you. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, you know, that's you're being polite, but you're dealing with it and you're being effective. I think that's that's you know fair, that's good, great, good for you. Um so Heather, tell me about Rosie. Okay, so Rosie's a Rottweiler. Um she started off being just a family pet. Yeah. get Rottweiler um thought it'd be good company I have two chihuahuas and a whippet oh wow um, yeah they all live together yeah. Um, yeah um so for me I just felt I'd been in a domestic violence relationship for a long time and I didn't feel safe out in the street yeah. okay what are chihuahuas gonna do I was like no I need I need more so and I got Rosie more as a company for me and then I learned about Okay, <laughs> I learned that there was Rad, and Rad would help me teach Rosie what she needed to learn. So like, there's somebody at the door. Yes, it's, got fine. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's saying, "Mum, Mum, it's they're at the door. You're not answering it." <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, so for me, um, it was more Rad could teach me how to train Rosie to assist me in everyday life. Yeah, be it a walk in the park, a trip to the local shop. And I felt after losing my mum, it didn't really hit me hard until after losing my mum. And I didn't realise exactly how low I had become. Yeah. Okay. To the point I didn't want to go out because I felt if I went out, everyone was looking at me or was people judging me or was people saying, thinking in their heads, why did she put up with it? Yeah. yeah. And for me, I didn't know how to deal with that. Yeah. So for me, it was difficult to go out. Yeah. I got Rosie, started working with Rad, and all of a sudden I realised how valuable Rosie was to me. Yeah. And she's not just part of the family. she She's part of me, and yes. she's like my other legs sort of thing. And, and like going out without Rosie just seems really, really daunting because she's always there. Yeah. And for Rosie, it's the same. If I go somewhere, I go to the garage and she can't see me, She's howling. Oh, like, where are you? Mom? I need to get to you. Yeah. Um, also, with children, she has a really big impact with protecting children and looking after them. And a child cries, and she's there at the push chair. And she started, even if a child's in the push chair, walking through town, and a child will be crying, and she's, I've got to treat them. They're upset. And it's instant. Yeah. Um, there was a man having a PTSD attack in town outside Costa, and she wanted to treat him instantly. Oh. And it's just. I think he was ex-military and it's just something that she is in her that she needs yes. to do. And she's learned that and she's working. Um, as Mary Rose said, I did have an incident where um, we were told we couldn't go into church. Yeah. And Rosie couldn't go in because she might put dog hair in the church. And I was told to chain her up outside. <gasps> and I said, this is a ha- I was like, this is a house of God. Like, yeah, absolutely. God, like, in a Christian attitude, that shouldn't be happening. No. Um, so, yeah, I was disappointed in that. However... Morrison's on the other hand absolutely fantastic brilliant yeah walks around you get to the meat counter and they're like does she want a piece of pork pie I'm like she's working <laughs> but yeah absolutely brilliant they're on the opposite end but yeah yeah um, oh that's lovely good. 
really yeah. good. I couldn't be without her. She's absolutely saved me and my family. She's, you know, losing my mom. It was a big hole. Yeah. Um, having Rosie, she's taught me how to deal with that every day. Yeah. Also, I've got a blood sugar issue. So for me, I, my, I've got hyperglycemia, so my blood sugar levels will just drop. Yeah. And I don't feel it coming on. There's no warning for it. I don't feel that. Rosie senses that and she gets my hand in her mouth and she pulls me and takes me to the kitchen and she sits looking at the cupboard as if to say, Mum, you need to get something sweet. Get something to eat now, Mum. Wow. Yeah. That's she amazing. Sugar, yeah. With working with Rad, they have taught me to train Rosie to fetch my, my glucose testing kit. She will fetch that, bring it to me when she knows I need to. Really, really good. Wow. That's it. She's a multitasking assistance dog. <laughs> Oh, bless her. Bless. And as you say, it's it's unexpected to find a Rottweiler yeah. doing that that role. But having you know, having said that, I think Rottweilers get a very unfair press, mm. and that the, they are they can be protective, defensive because they love their people. Then it's they're not just yeah. a nasty breed at all. It, they it love is. their people, don't they? Yeah, they are so misunderstood. Um, we did Leicester Pride on Saturday. Yeah. Um, Rose did it absolutely brilliantly and I thought how's she going to be in this situation she's never been in a crowd there was loud music there was drums she's never seen any of that wow and she just took to it like a duck on water absolutely brilliant oh. and she likes to show off so if she's got her rag uniform on it's like look at me I'm working it's like <laughs> super dog in action it's like a cape yeah oh excellent <laughs> excellent I mean obviously some some people I know think, oh, poor working dogs. Oh, these dogs having to work. Uh, dogs are not like people in many, I mean, in some ways they are, in many ways they're not, in that we quite like, I'm switching off now, I'm sitting on the sofa, I'm not doing anything. But dogs uh, actually like having a job, don't they? Having a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. They do. And if you think of the MOG, you know, with police, uh, 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 army, RAF, Navy, they've all got uh, dogs, service dogs, working dogs, and most of them live in the handlers' homes. So they do have downtime. Um, and, and it's, you know, a lot of dogs don't need stimulation all the time either. Yeah. So they do need to have a day off. This is where the uniform comes in, I think. Yeah. When the dog puts its vest on and, and the owner puts the vest on, it knows then it's working yeah. at that point. It's just like a, a, a frame change in its mind. Uh, so it knows it's working straight away and we'll just get on with it. But they do have downtime and they are treated very, very well. We yes. do help check all the dogs and we make sure the dogs are a healthy to be a working dog. Yeah. Um, because they'll probably do more walking than other dogs and, and they've got more, uh, obviously, things to do more than pet dogs have to do. So we do make sure they're healthy and they're okay. Um, and, and members have to put in once a year the vet cards to make sure that they've had checkovers, etc. So, So we do, uh, one of our priorities is the health of the dog. Yeah, absolutely. Of our members, yeah. And yeah. they do, I mean, the other things, the other techniques that I've watched, I've watched Heather actually face-to-face in training rooms, um, they do blocking, which is, and I don't like people close to me in the queue. Yeah. So I normally put my handbag on my shoulder so it's sticking out at the back, you know, so they yes. can't get so close. But what the dog does is called blocking. So the dog will either stand to the side or the back of them, which stops the person coming too close to yeah. the member. So it, uh, it's a nice, calming 
issue for the member to know that that person can't touch them or get too close yeah, to them at the back of side of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, most- it's like uh, Heather was saying before. We have another uh, member who has a, a lung condition, hmm. so she doesn't realise when she's starting to lose uh, oxygen in her blood. So her lips start to go blue and the dog will sit straight away. And it's only a little tiny thing this big and it will immediately take her to her, her, her oxygen tanks wow. because she knows that she needs oxygen at that particular time. Yeah. So the mitigation they do for, for the symptoms of MHDA is huge. And, and I think uh, Heather alluded to this anyway, that they are an auxiliary aid. Yeah. They're just like a wheelchair for a disabled person. Absolutely. They do exactly the same job yeah. as that. So, you know, this is why, again, discrimination against access is intolerable because these people need the dog to be with them yeah. to, to let them live safely and, and live whatever is normal. Yeah. <laughs> but as normal as everybody else would like to, to live their lives every day. Yeah, yeah. The, the things that many of us take for granted these dogs, whether it's a physical or a, a, a mental issue um, or condition, these dogs allow people to live, as you say, a normal life or as no- near to normal as you can get. Yep. That, these dogs allow that to happen, don't they? Absolutely. Every day, every day, all day, seven days a week. Yeah, they do. And we've seen some miraculous things. We've had dogs that have stopped suicides. Wow. Uh, we've had dogs that have pulled out people from trying to jump under a bus, oh. other things. Uh, they, they stopped people from self-harming so they will um touch them and it's and it's called touch therapy so the dog would touch them and distract them so that they stop doing it we have a, a, a member who uh, bangs a head yeah. um and the hospital wouldn't let her dog in to the hospital and she literally made a hole oh. in the wall above her bed banging her head on it but, but if the dog was there the dog stands in front of her, so she bangs her head on the dog and then stops because... Oh, yeah, yeah, because you love the dog and, yeah. Of course you do, oh. yeah, yeah, you don't carry on doing it. No, that's no. right. So, uh, so they do amazing things. They, they Every day they never fail to amaze me yeah. with the stories I hear and see. Oh, wonderful, amazing. wonderful. And, and Heather, obviously you've got your family there. Is it... And, and, and friends, but do you feel it's a different feeling when the dog you know I so for example what whatever the behavior is or whether it's a panic attack or you know if somebody's with you saying you're talking to you or trying to to comfort you that's great but there's some kind of just connection with a dog isn't there yeah there is there is and for me with my um I've got complex PTSD um and for for me my trigger can it is it's more men um and it's you know and it's just because of my experience my lived experience but um with Rosie she will like the blocking she'll come between me and separate and even if she's blocking behind there was an instant I've got a blocking behind me in a queue and then outside the shop and then this man walked straight in front of me to just to go through between the queue rather than going all around the queue Rosie instantly moved in front of me to put herself between us you know yeah. and it's it's that bit that she's like, no, mum needs me to be there. I'm next to mum. No one's going next to mum. Yeah. So, yeah. But it oh, is. And she gives that reassurance as well all the time. Yeah. Like, she senses, if I have a nightmare at night, she senses my breathing change, 
my um she'll sense it even if I'm a nightmare I don't even know I'm having a nightmare but Rosie does and she's there and she's up on the bed and she starts nudging me then she'll start licking my neck to give me a kiss um and then if I don't respond to that she will get up and put obviously she's heavy I can't have my chest she would crush me um however she does put her front legs or her head on my chest and sit nudging me she'll rub her head like this on my chest just get that reaction from me to calm me down yeah it's that letting me know that she's always there yes yeah yeah and it's never like oh yes in a minute i'll I'll be with you or i'm busy or i'm doing this they're just there for you you're their world aren't you and sometimes you do you do get like you think oh just give me a break a minute i i I don't know what you want and then i'm thinking hang on no she's telling me i need something it's like she was like constantly nudging me the other day and i was like Rosie, give me a break. I don't know what you want, darling. I looked at her and her head's just going as if to say, come on, mum, you do know what I want. (laughs) And then I looked at her and I was like, okay, take me, show me. And she did. And she took me straight to the kitchen as if to say, you've not had a drink in a while. And she just sits looking at me and looking at the cupboard. And I'm like, okay, yeah, food and drink stop. Pit stop. (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And so Mary Rose, you have dogs from like, Chihuahuas to Great Danes and, and yeah. everything in between. Yeah. Yeah, we don't discriminate against uh, anybody or any dog. So, mm. uh, and that's in age as well. Uh, we try and get people to rescue dogs uh, and we're trying to get uh, allegiances and alliances with rescue shelters so that they can spot a dog that would make a good assistance dog. It's got the right characteristics with yeah. it. Um, if, if they get a rescue dog, we do tell them under two years of age, but that's not we're not being ageist with the dog. It's for the longevity of the relationship that, yeah. because it's too bit of, of well recognised. It's not just a dog working. It's a relationship between a human and a dog. And it becomes a, a bond that's, you know, amazing. I have a, an assistance dog here at the moment. Yeah. Fortunately, it's had to come away from its owner. And um, and its owner is, is really struggling without the dog, obviously. Yeah, and this yeah. is dog. My husband is a surgeon and he very often comes home and he's very anxious and wound up because he, he does a difficult job, you know. Yeah. And as soon as he comes in and sits down, uh, this assistant's dog, she's huge as well. She just clambers on top of him oh. <laughs> and oh. puts her head on his chest. He can't breathe. And, she puts her head, and she's, <laughs> she's uh, and so, you know, it's other people as well, which, uh, you know, again, Heather alluded to, it's not just them, it's other people. They start to recognise the need in other people and I've heard this story many times mm. of an assistant dog walking off and going to somebody else and yeah. there was something wrong with them and the dog knew mm. and that went straight to them so it's uh, yeah so so this sometimes can be a bit unfaithful to their members and their owners <laughs> and go and sort somebody else out oh, they've just got so much love to give they're like well I've helped you I'll yes. help you. yeah uh, dogs are amazing they're you know i never get to the end of how amazing dogs are just always finding out more things and they i just love dogs Um, and i think that that comes to the health thing as well because you know when you see the dogs helping their handlers and their members you can see that they're well looked after yes because that relationship wouldn't exist otherwise so yeah. you could see, you could see Rosie watching her, look at her enthusiasm around her. Look, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, and this is what you can watch. Are you so visually we can keep a check on dog's health as well because it wouldn't work any other way if no. it wasn't positive and, and reward-based and, yeah. Uh, 
you know, moving forward, it just wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah. That's strangely enough. I wanted to come to the training next, the actual okay. training yeah. training method. So that's that's great. So you, you've mentioned all the, the right words already. Yeah. But what? Tell me about the training. What What are the training methods like? Okay, so um, we use a lot of clicker training. Yeah, which is reward based. Uh, and, and we use a lot of rewards, a lot of treats. Yeah. Uh, we use a lot of therapeutic touch and nose touch, which is a really good thing to teach the dog to do. So anything you want the dog's attention, you teach it touch, you touch the dog's nose. So uh, uh, to train that, they start yeah. off with treats and clicker training, touch the dog's nose, and then the dog's eyes will follow the hand. So wherever the hand goes to is where the dog's eyes will go to next and it gets a treat. So it learns that touch on the nose is is a requirement. They wanted to do something. Um, Clicker training, as well as the noise, it's that little clicker thing that trains up as well. And again, it can be kept easily in a pocket. Uh, It can be given as a signal to the dog to do things. Uh, generally everybody trains in a group so they yeah. are a lot of members together with their dogs and they're led by the trainer who demonstrates to them so we don't physically handle the dogs at all yeah so it's only the only their handler their owner that, that handle their dog so the trainer shows them what to do she then watches the member do this uh, yeah. and then they go on from there and then the member goes out and practices it in public but Heather you can talk more about some of the training techniques you've done with Rosie in class yeah, definitely. Um, so obviously blocking is one side of it. Um, you've also got the deep pressure therapy and training with that. It coaxing them to lie across your legs first and, and then moving upwards. Obviously, I skipped the moving upwards because I pushed me. Um, so she comes around to the side, sitting next to me, going under and sitting between my legs when I'm at the doctor's surgery. Um, when we're waiting, um, she will sit and she's comfortable between my legs. I've got her there. I can feed her treats. I can feed her treats all day long to keep her there, but she chooses to stay there. And she's sitting. If I've got her sitting in down position or waiting, she knows she sits across the road anyway. Um, but the sitting away, she knows, okay, let's go. That's the cue to come out of that. So she's learned to sit, stay there until I say those words. Um, if, for instance, we were whistle training or anything that would have been a nightmare doing pride because there was whistles everywhere and yes, of that so confusing but I'm so glad and it's like like I said to you she doesn't know walkies she doesn't yeah. know what walkies means like I said walkies all I like she won't yeah. do it yeah if I said mommy take you well, mommy take you she knows a head <laughs> <Yes>. change <missing. laughs> there we go Lesser. yeah Someone's not going to go up to her and say, I'll take you, because they won't know. Yeah, you know, don't you? <laughs> they won't know yeah. what that is, but Rosie knows what that is, and that's our communication. So yeah. people, people like members of RAD tend to have their own keywords that they use with their AD to help them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that that is the thing. It's very personal. So so basically, when to run them through the whole training, what happens is, right, that we've got four courses. Yeah. So they run for about 10 weeks per course, so training can take 12 months to 18 months, depending. And again, this is mental health for you. Sometimes people can't attend training for whatever reasons, so they need to catch up. So sometimes it's elongated. So 12 to 18 months to get to where we'd call a qualified public access handler and assistant yeah. dog. So uh, with the qualified handlers and assistant dogs, when they get up to that level, uh, the dogs are taught much more advanced techniques. For example, uh, they're taught to be taken away from their owner. Yeah. 
because if there's an ambulance and somebody has to be taken away in an ambulance, then the dog has to know it can, it has to be taken away from its owner. So it learns those techniques. It also, if somebody has an anxiety attack, if they're in a public place, the dogs are taught to take them to the nearest exit. They Excellent. just get you out of here, you know, and they yes. take the, the, their member to the nearest exit. The nearest exit. The one I love, I love this. I love watching this work too. So you know yourself if somebody comes and talks to you and you want to get away from them. <laughs> yeah, it's not been there. Construed as rude, you know. So so that so the handlers learn a specific technique with the dog. Uh, to make a noise or bark and then they say well I have to go the dog needs to go to the toilet but oh, it's, wow. it's, it's called yeah is it take me take me away <laughs> I think the technique's called take me away so it's, I'm not a dog trainer so I don't know this but yeah I think it's called take me away so they, it's a, just a certain touch on the dog or a tug on the leader again down to the owner's own uh, way discretion of yes working. <laughs> Uh, and then the dog will lead them away straight away. And she, I'll have to go. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, I wow. to go to the so yes. I often wish I had one very often. <laughs> yeah, we all we all need that command, don't we? Yeah, yeah, I need yeah. to go now. Get me out of here. Yeah, yes. that's right. My son does it on telephones. You know, if he if he doesn't want to speak to you anymore, he starts to go. Uh, 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 uh. I think that Liz is sick, and then he goes. <laughs> The same thing. Only oh, I like it. Not. Oh, I like it. <laughs> so, so once oh. they've got up to public access, it's not the end of training because dogs have to do refreshers. They need to still socialise with other dogs. So we do take it further and, and offer people refreshers with dog training. Yes. New things come along. We're doing scent training at the moment. Oh, so wow. we're teaching dogs to recognise certain sense of things, yeah. which will help for with some medical detection issues. It will help with the dog choosing things for their owner and their handler. Uh, it will help with washing, them deciding whether washing's clean or dirty to wow. help them with the washing machine. So that's that's our project at the moment is scent training. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I mean, it really is. It's it's just it's incredible. It's um, what what dogs can understand, and you know the, the choices they can make, and it's it just it is incredible. I mean, thank goodness for dogs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How how can people help? You know, if people listening to this think, well, I, I don't need a dog, but uh, but how can they help those that are local to yeah. you and maybe further away? How can we support you? Okay, yeah, it, it, lots of ways. Uh, our red, oh, we've got a brand new website that's just about to be launched. It will be. Can I tell you the name of it? Yes, of course. Now? It's www.radassistancedogs.org.uk. Smashing. So on there, you can find donate buttons. You can sponsor a dog. We have a lot of members who cannot afford the fee. The fee is very low. It's two pounds a week. Yeah. Um, so it's very low. It, we, it costs us much more than that to train a dog. So we depend yeah. on donations, sponsorship, uh, and, and and people just giving really. And um, so they can donate on the site easily enough. Uh, they can sponsor a dog, and they'll get all the news about the dog, what it's doing. That uh, we involve them as much as we can when they sponsor a dog, so they feel part of the rat family. And what's going forward? I mean, one of the things we'd love to do is is have a corporate sponsor. Yeah, who we've got dog friendly. Uh, uk yeah. who sponsor holidays, uh, but, it, but but the sponsorship there, although it's good and it's generous, but it it depends on a member booking a holiday with them. Yeah, 
So, so we could do with something a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. That's hard work. So a corporate sponsor, you know, that we could work with. Um, we have the Take Me Group, which is the taxi group, and that came out of a complaint from mm. a taxi driver saying you're not bringing that dog into this cab, into where they're sponsoring us. So they're sponsoring us for two thousand pounds for vests and, and dog livery for people yeah. that cannot afford to pay for it themselves so corporate sponsors are, are where we're heading for and obviously grants and funding yeah, yeah but how lovely that you took that negative and turned it around and that yeah. such progress has been made and hopefully yeah. you're saving people there from having that horrible experience of no you can't bring your assistance dog in yeah. absolutely yeah. i try and do this when when they're on complaints so i don't just go and hit them with a big stick what I carry on to say is, you know, this is an illegal action that's been created yeah. by your staff. I point out the law. I tell them what they should and shouldn't be doing. But then I also offer to to give them education. So we've got a PowerPoint uh, and I offer to go along free of charge to educate their staff and be part of their staff training to move them forward so that they're operating legally. Yeah. And there's quite a few take me up on it. At the moment, I'm working with, um, I've just worked with all the zoos. I can't remember the name of it. I was trying to remember the name, Barak or something. And they're the, like, the governing body for all zoos and aquariums in the UK. Oh, yeah. Barry, I know you, something like yeah. that, yeah. So I've just worked with them last week, uh, and they've written a policy for assistance dogs. Now, they're unusual because they've got wolves, things like this on site which you can see the possibility of you know something not going quite well there Um, so I've worked with them to update their policy on assistance dogs for access Uh, and I'm working this week with Brands Hatch or the Brands Hatch group uh, for motorbike racing for entrance for assistance dogs Warwick University I'm working with on another university in Kent too Uh, so it's nice to be asked to for them to come forward you know and and that's what at the end of the day we want to help people to help assistance dogs yeah yeah and that's um, really our message yeah yeah I mean I love the way that you you train because that does help people to help themselves it's so empowering that you're not just going oh dear dear there's a dog for you which you know I, yeah. there's a, there's a place for dogs to be trying. I'm not I'm not yeah, denigrating yeah. that but it's training yeah particularly with mental health issues mm. that's so empowering that you've trained your own dog Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And again, it's part of that relationship that that is infinite, infinitive and, and, and infinite, I should say. Mm. Uh, and we'll also go on for some years. Yes. And, and we'll also help people who assistance dog is coming to maybe the end of its working life to try and get them over that grief part and into getting a new assistance dog because they need a new assistance dog. Uh, so once we start to see the dogs come into a certain age, we do start to talk to them about, you know, getting maybe getting, do they need an apprentice? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we start talking in terms like that because it, uh, we all know what uh, what it's like to have grief. Yeah, yeah. I've had 38 dogs in my life. Wow. Uh, but I, 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 um, I rescue stuffies. Just yeah, it's my breed. Yeah, so yeah. I'm my 18th stuffy, uh, oh, wow. 38th dog over my lifetime. But we always have four or five at a time. So yeah, a collective. Yeah. 
<laughs> have a collective pack all the while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is hard, and, and I understand grief for losing a dog, and for losing an assistance dog is even harder. Yeah. Because yeah. that's your right arm as well, you know. So um, so it's an important part of what we do is support of, of our members with looking for another dog. But yeah. I, do, I do have to point out that we don't help with mental health issues. Yeah. We are not competent and not qualified to do that. But we do point people to the, into the right direction. So we yeah. stick up for our members, we support them, yeah, yeah. Uh, help them train their dogs, uh, and we will point them to the right authorities if they need help. Yeah, yeah. But you're about providing with their... We're about the dog. Their, yeah, the four-legged best friend. Yeah. And, and guardian yeah. angel, wow. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I think yeah. I'm the member's worst uh, person to drop in on training because I'm very... <laughs> destructive to the training because I walk in and I just lay on the floor with all the dogs you know people are saying, I'm trying to train my dog yes. get off it <laughs> but I mean that you could be a really valid part about a valuable part of the training you know, distraction training that's that's your your speciality this is my excuse <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> I think oh. I've done it to Heather many times, yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it it sounds wonderful. And I mean just from talking to you both, I can see the the affection and the the, the ethos of the charities is wonderful. Exactly. I love it. Brad is a family and yeah. it, it's a family like I've lost my dad, my mum, my brother, um, my grand, my auntie. I've lost all of my family. So yeah. me, it could be a lonely world. Yeah. But I'm because I've got Rad and I've got a partner and he's absolutely amazing but at some point you think oh well I need to I need to speak to my mum or and you think oh what do I do and but Rad they're always there I can pick I can put online I need some help or I'm feeling a bit low today and before you know it there's that many messages come back what's wrong how can I help you and and everybody is so supportive you go into group and you can have a bad day and think Rosie's just not listening to me today. She's not doing what I've asked her to do. What's going on? And it could be that she's just thinking, actually, you know, I'm tired today, I'm a bit worn out, or that's really interesting over there. We go to the agility centre and, wow, there's an ice cream run over the road. I like my ice cream. And it's I'm not concentrating because I want that. And then you find that it will just be something little like that that could set you off and it could make you think, oh, I can't cope with this anymore. But Rosie, mm. she's... You know, with the other MAD members, they're all there like, you can do this, come on, let's try this, let's get back over here, we'll move We'll move to the other side of the, of the ground or we'll do in there's other ways and everyone supports each other. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine that's so important yeah. because, you know, we've talked about we have good and bad days and, you know, with mental health issues, that's um, magnified. Those ups and downs are sort of magnified. But in the same way, the dog isn't a robot, is it? They have... Yeah good and bad days and obviously they have a lot of good days and they're excellent and they do their jobs yeah. but you, you just have to it's a partnership isn't it you just have to cut them that little bit of slack definitely i mean rosie's young she's doing her puppy stage she's done her intermediate she's virtually right at the end of her dog advanced um i could put her straight into public access work and go through that but i don't want, she's only just had her first birthday party like wow she's had a bubble machine she loved it but, you know, you get bacon bubbles. I didn't realise I spoke to a rad member. You get bacon bubbles. Wow. Oh, but I'm putting her back through the dog advanced again afterwards, like before going on to the public access, because we're just going to have a little recap. It'll be a bit more chilled out for her. The pressure's off. If there's anything that we've not quite got, we'll get at this time. 
Um, you know, so for me, I like that, that we can just go over that. She's got all the time in the world. She's she's only just had her first birthday. So we've got plenty of time to perfect it all so that when we, we're out, we know we're fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Go through it again because there's no rush. And yeah. as you say, you can just have fun and a little bit more relaxed and the pressure's off for both of you, isn't it? Lovely. lovely. I think that's that's the beauty of, of the, the low subscriptions that everybody pays because they pay £2 a week regardless and there's yeah. no extra that they pay for training and they can wow. go in and go and go and go for as long yeah. as they want to. So there's no pressure on them to come off. They can miss a session and they can pick it up again. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we're easy with that. It's yeah. nice. It's cool. We chilled out with that. It's not all face-to-face either. We can do it on Zoom. So if you're having a day yeah. where you you know what, I can't make Saturday's training. I've got this going on. It's like, okay, well, I'll pick it up on Wednesday and I'll do it on Zoom. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we do that alternative. So Zoom's working very well, actually. We started it in the pandemic, mm. the necessity. And it's actually, we've got more people learning on zoom than we have face-to-face now so and again that's indicative sometimes of poor mental health because people don't like to leave their homes yeah yeah so uh, it it suits them better to do that but then in saying that we do get them to leave their homes oh yes once we train the dog they're out there and we'll get messages and they'll say how how well do I feel today you know look at me I'm outside with my dog yeah it's amazing it's an amazing step that you you can't imagine and and, you know sometimes it reduces you to tears a little bit with some of the stories so it's nice we are a family Uh, we're very supportive they can talk to anybody Uh, and we're mostly run by volunteers and um, I'm, I'm as chair, I'm volunteer and have done for the last two years. It yeah. actually costs me to be in the charity because I buy more things for the charity. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it costs me a minute. My husband wants to know, yeah, can I just have a few? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've only got, uh, we've got four employees. Yeah. That's all we've got. And everybody else volunteers. Yeah. So, Excellent. yeah. And, and, and the, uh, all the volunteers are all, uh, sorry, all the staff are all part time as well. So, um, yeah. It's full on and we put everything into this and it's just rewarding when you see somebody like Heather who, and, and lots more that you suddenly see a smiling face and you see, you hear the stories of them going forward and getting on and what the dog's done for them. And you think, Do you know what, that was worth every hour I've put yeah. this. So yeah. it's about giving back and that's good lovely lovely thank you for telling me so much about it we, we've talked about a, a huge amount of, of of issues is there anything that we that you still want to say is there anything we haven't said yet i just think that as a small charity uh, ours is, a, is about you know fleecing people's pockets really with sponsorship. <laughs> so if there's any yeah. corporate sponsors out there pet dog food uh, you know that we will help to uh, to a market and put on our site we'll share things on websites we'll work with other cooperatives other charities in order to grow uh, we are and i don't think i've said this we're quite unique in the uk because we are the only assistance dog training charity that deal with people with mental health mm. we're the only one in the uk that do that so we are we are growing rapidly at the moment we grow by between five and ten members a week Wow. At this present time, so we're in rapid growth at the moment, uh, which we've just had to employ another dog trainer because we, our dog trainers just could not cope with volume of people. Yeah. So, um, so because of the rapid growth, uh, you know, we, we just need that bit of support to to absolutely encapsulate the whole of the UK. Yeah. 
get our message out there. Yeah. Stop people denying access to assistance dogs. Um, and I think mental health is the new pandemic. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And and younger people are oh. having such issues that, yes, it's definitely sort of a, a growth area in a bad way, you know? Yeah, yeah. 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 It, is. it is. Yeah. Heather, is there anything else you want to say? Um, no, no. I just think absolutely brilliant. If anyone needs any help, like that mental health issues, anything like that, get a dog and join Rad. It's the best treatment and therapy you'll ever get. I've been yeah. through all sorts of therapy and I've had yoga therapy and talking therapy. And do you know what? I've come away afterwards thinking, okay, do I feel any different? <laughs> no. I've just wasted eight weeks doing that therapy yoga. I'm like, it hasn't done anything. Get Rosie, give her a cuddle and you're like, ah, bliss. You feel yeah. totally different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you can't say better than that. That's, <laughs> no, that's lovely. I think that's brilliant, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very well, good. The best, best of luck to Brad and to you too. And I hope you go into from strength to strength now. Thank you so much. Thanks, Julie. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Dogs are amazing and they make life amazing for us. They're magic. Huge thanks to Mary Rose and Heather and Rosie for sharing all that with us. Thanks to Dave Chawner for bringing Rad to my attention in the first place. And I hope the charity grows and helps even more people. You can find out more at their website to which, all together now, there's a link at dogcastradio.com. That's it for this time, although I am working on a story based on a random thought which came to me during a dog walk. If dogs told scary stories for Halloween, what would those stories be about? Let me know your take on that in the usual ways, which you'll hear coming up during the theme music. For now, until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dogcastradio. That's all one word, dogcastradio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What's a dog's favourite autumn drink? Pumpkin spice latte.